The following is a presentation of the Premier Dance Network. Hi everyone, Kimberly Falker here, the founder and CEO of the Premier Dance Network, the only podcast network dedicated solely to the world of dance. And welcome to Pod to Chat with your host, Barry Corellis. Hello and welcome back. Thanks for coming to chat. I am your host, Barry Corellis, and you are listening to Pod to Chat Talking Dance on the Premier Dance Network. In this bi-monthly podcast, I candidly offer educational conversations and thoughtful analysis on all things dance. With my vast background as a director, choreographer, instructor, and dancer, I'm happy to share my 17 plus years of experience with you, whether you're a professional dancer or just listening in for an insider's look into our fascinating art form. So put your earbuds in, grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's talk dance. Hello, 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 and happy fall. I know it's not fall yet, but after the Labor Day weekend, I always feel like we are technically in fall. And you know that that pumpkin spice latte came out, so I guess it was fall on August 27th this year. But yeah, so uh, fall, the fall season at least is upon us, um, and school is getting started, and dance year is getting started, and companies are getting started. So I always feel more like September is the, like a, the beginning of a new year than an actual January 1st. So uh, happy new school year season to you all. Uh, right now, I'm just in a it's it's interesting i've i've been in a very uh strange place because the past couple of years i've been so 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 busy during the school year but i i've made some space on my schedule so that i could focus on my company um so i'm i'm still teaching a lot but i'm not commuting as much and not teaching nearly as much as i have in the past which is just weird and takes some getting used to um but yeah, I've been preparing for Movement Headquarters Ballet Company's launch uh, coming up this February and fundraising and doing all that kind of stuff. And now I'm starting to research and uh, apply for grants and fellowships so that I can, uh, you know, make it happen. So uh, it's been a lot of work at home, sitting on my computer and just <laughs> typing out essay after essay after essay. It's been it's been a very different beginning to my school year this year. Um, but yeah, it's been very good. So far, we've raised over $8,000. And uh, I'm hoping that we can meet our fundraising goal by the time that we get to our, our performances in February. If you are interested in helping us out, I am running an Indiegogo campaign right now. And you can find that on my Instagram at bcorollis. I, I have a link there in my bio there. So uh, help us get there, people. Uh, yeah, other than that, what is going on? Broadway Dance Center, we are getting back into the swing of things there as well because the summer classes are over. So I don't have any permanent contemporary classes at the moment, but I am subbing for SLAM um, over the next month. So I have a handful of advanced beginner and intermediate contemporary classes, and you can find those on my schedule. Um, I also, my, my schedule has shifted for the fall. I do have... Um, Beginner ballet on Mondays at 1.30 p.m. I have advanced beginner ballet on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4.30 p.m. And then I have basic ballet on Fridays at 7.30 p.m. So that is my permanent schedule. And if there are any other adjustments, I either post online or I'll mention on here. Other than that, because I have made more space in my schedule, I do have availability at the moment to travel, whether it be locally or nationally or internationally um, for master classes or choreography. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can always uh, go to my contact page on my website or send me a, a direct message on Instagram or a private message on 
Facebook. I paused because I was like, is a private message and a direct message the same thing? And why does it have to be a PM on Facebook and a DM on Instagram? Um, anyway, yeah, you can always contact me. That way, people do. Um, I just got a message the other day. So uh, that's a common thing. All right. So and my intro is very short. It's funny. When I when I start my, my classes at Broadway Dance Center, I always give like a rundown of any like announcements. And they were so long this summer. And then uh, the summer ended. And now it's like all right, I don't have any announcements, so let's get started. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm here. I feel like my intros are usually a lot longer. Um, all right, so let's get into content. Let's get straight on in. So um, I every morning when I wake up, I prepare oatmeal, and I have coffee and some water, and I sit down, and I turn on either the Today Show or The View, whichever is on, and then I go on my computer, and I have like seven websites that I like cycle through in order. So the first one I always do is Yahoo, because that's my main mailing account, um, and they have like a news feed, so I always just like check the news feed to see if there's anything pressing that I I should know about. And this morning, uh, there was a, a headline. This wasn't pressing at all, but it just caught my attention. There was a headline that Kobe Bryant had like shamed a one of his basketball players. I mean, now granted, he. I think he's. Don't don't hold me to this. I I read the article lightly, um, but he, I think he's coaching like fourth graders, and he had shamed one of the fourth grade girls because she chose to perform at a dance recital over top of uh competing in a basketball game (laughs) and i mean i i'm not big on like the whole like shame 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 culture like that's not my that's not my style um but i it it sort of just made my my mind start thinking because uh well first off the the photo that he posted was like a bunch of miserable fourth grade children or fifth grade i don't know what grade they were um but they all looked very miserable because they got they were the fourth place winners in i guess the season and he didn't think that was good enough because he's kobe bryant and because he's great that anything around him should become great uh just by like osmosis um but so then he went on in this post to so he said fourth place winners but it was kind of like a a joke and then stating that one one of the one of the kids wasn't in the photo because she went to a dancer chose to go to a dancer settled um and it seemed almost like he was trying to out the kid for not being as committed as the other kids were um and then that caused the backlash and then he tried to explain himself and blah 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 the typical like social media culture the way that it works today um and i honestly didn't really care about that but uh it, it kind of got me thinking for what i wanted to to podcast about this week uh and since it's the beginning of the school year and i feel like the beginning of the school year is very different from the rest of the year because expectations aren't yet fully imposed and students are excited to come back and not in the grind of like homework and school and dance and whatever other commitments they have um they're they're not yet distracted by other things so they're excited but yeah so with this with this post i was thinking that might be good today to talk about like cultivating the importance of dance in your classroom and not like that dance is important but like make making it important to the student personally um because i feel like a lot of times people just like teachers just expect their students to care because they showed up um but when you're young like often your parents make decisions as to what 
hobbies and activities and interests you have um and granted yeah some kids will say oh i want to dance and the parents will be like okay but a lot of times parents are just like i need a i need a break for my kids or i you need to do something physically active or you need something for college resumes um so they put them in things and the kids don't have as much say as uh as teachers think they do uh so yeah that's what we're going to talk about today when when i first started teaching i definitely was the kind of teacher that thought that because this is important to me um that it should be important to my students and if i'm passionate about dance that they should automatically be passionate about dance and if they weren't it was something that was wrong with them um i think that this came from the greater sum of my experience being in the professional world uh than in the recreational or conservatory world um for me like i i started dancing when i was two but i only took one class a week maybe two classes a week until i was like 13 and then when i was 13 all of that changed so really like the intense period of training for me um and even my intense period four of those years were at a recreational school um so 13 14 15 16 17 and 18 were that that was it i had like five years i guess uh can I count? I guess that's maybe five or six years. (laughs) Math, Barry. But yeah, so um, five or six of those years were really focused, even though four of them were recreational and two of them were conservatory. Um, So by the time that I started teaching, um, and I really started like teaching here and there around the age of 28. So had about 10 years in the professional world. And if you even count the conservatory world, I had 12. And then I had four out side of that where I was like really focused. Um, I, I lived in that side of like passion and importance longer than I had experience in the dance world in, in that area where it, it, it wasn't that. Um, you're probably gonna hear some honking as I always say. I'm in my apartment recording and apparently the subway, they're just like honking the subway horn. So if you hear some noise, that's what it is. That is a hazard of podcasting in New York City. Um, and I don't rent out like a studio to do these podcasts as opposed to contrary beliefs. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, because I had existed in that like professional world for so long and everybody is kind of on the same wavelength when it comes to how important dance is in their lives, I just expected that others, when I started teaching, should automatically be on the same page as me. Uh, it's really easy to forget what it, it felt like when when I started because I was younger, I was less cognizant of what I was doing. And every day, now, every day, it's, it seems like I'm getting further in distance from what that felt like. Uh, and I've had this conversation before with just teaching in general, not with like cultivating the importance of dance to students. Um, but a lot of teachers teach young kids like they're like it's a company class, like they just give combinations and let the kids do them and then move on. Um, and they do it at like the speed that professionals would would perform class at. Um, and I feel like the reason that that happens is because professionals just forget what it felt like to be like five to 10 years old and doing like the slowest, slowest plies and tendus and jetés you've ever done in your life or holding your leg in the air for like 16 counts. Um, we tend to forget that. So the same thing happens with this. So I wanted to talk to you today about what I do to help instill importance in my students and classes. And just a reminder, I, I, I don't teach recreationally um 
even if I teach at a recreational school, I don't teach recreational classes. Um, I always teach for the stage. Um, and I also teach students of all ages from like, I don't really often do under the age of 10 here and there, but uh, about 10 to like 80. So I still try to, to instill these uh, themes of importance into my adult students, just because if you are going to practice dance and ballet, contemporary dance, um, it takes a certain level of commitment to the art form in order to actually get better and to be able to execute things correctly. So um, these lessons I teach to everybody, it doesn't matter what uh, type of student you are, what age of student you are, um, I think these things are important. So uh, the first thing that I do to instill importance is I, I give clear expectations from the beginning. Um, to my students, but I don't enforce them right away. So like for instance, dress code or like how you look when you come to class. Um, like if a student comes to class and they're not dress code the first time, I'm not going to kick them out of class. But what I'll do is I'll say, okay, you need to be in dress code. This is the dress code. I will start enforcing this in two weeks. So you have another week to sort of like mess up. But if by the third week you, you, and I will point it out again, but by the third week, if you come and you mess up, I'm going to have to ask you to sit out of class. And, and I don't make them leave. I just make them come and, and sit with us and watch. So they can't partake, but they, uh, they can still be at, at least in the classroom. Um, the other thing is like how you look when you come to class. I, I teach at a, a school and sometimes the kids come in and their hair looks like uh, they just got out of bed or <laughs> it looks like Halloween or like the 1980s and they like tease their hair, but somehow their hair is still kind of in a bun. So that's what I'll do. I'll walk around the class and I'll point out which ones are, are good, which ones aren't. And I might even pair up some of the students so that they can help each other out. Um, if, I, if one of the students has really great hair, I, I'll compliment them. And then the other one, I'll say, look, you could do better. Why don't we, why don't you two get together this week and you can talk about how to get your hair better so they can sort of bond and help each other out. Um, I also try to give clear expectations about preparation of previous class material. Like for instance, um, at Broadway Dance Center, we have our pro semesters. They, they started a few weeks ago and I have a few students that are, are taking my classes regularly. Um, so sometimes if I'm teaching the same level uh, throughout the week, if I'm subbing for somebody, I'll bring a combination or two back uh, from like, I'll teach it in one class and I'll bring it back again in another class. So I pulled one of those, sorry, I called one of the students out and I, I asked him to uh, show the comp the adagio that we had done the day prior to that and he was shocked <laughs> he wasn't expecting it but so instead of being angry that he couldn't remember i i took a moment to explain how when i danced at pacific northwest ballet we would prepare a lot of our repertoire for the entire season um in at the end of july and for the entire month of august and much of september before we start our performance season uh, at the end of september and then from there it could be april and you're you're expected to have some retention some memory of the material that you learned in august now granted you're not you, they don't expect you to know it like verbatim but um, there is an expectation that you still understand some of the material. So instead of yelling at, at him, I, I offered him some insight as to why it was important and told him that I might do that again. Um, with the retention of combinations, like I, I'll try to explain to students uh, how if they don't get it, like the first like five, like first three or four weeks, five weeks, I will try to tell them why it's important that they retain it and how 
give them tools to retain it. Um, but I'm not the kind of teacher that's just going to like yell at you because you can't remember something. Um, also like how you accept a correction. Do you stand there crossing your arms? Do you just stare at me? Um, do you actually do it? Uh, I, I tell, I, I told them that when I give a correction that I expect it to be enforced, um, and if they're not doing it, then what exactly will happen? Uh, also, taking corrections from others i always say that you can <laughs> the only place you can steal in the world is in the ballet studio <laughs> and you can what the only thing you're allowed to steal in a ballet studio is corrections from others um because it's that idea that uh if i'm correcting one student that they're getting better and everybody around them is just standing around not getting better but if you steal a correction while it's being given from somebody else if you practice it while they're giving, getting this, the correction. Everybody gets together as a group and that brings everybody up all together. But yeah, so I, I, I give clear expectations. Um, and then I, like I said, I don't enforce them right away, but what I do is I say, okay, um, let, let me give an example. So I, I have a leg, I call it the leg down rule. Um, and at the beginning of every year, when I start working with a group of students, I tell the, my, tell my students that when we're balancing, that they are not allowed to put their leg down. So if you're in a coupe, you cannot put your your one leg that's up in the air down. If you're doing a promenade and center and attitude and you feel like you're going to fall over and you put that leg down, um, it's what what I do is you the entire group has to start from the beginning if anybody puts a leg down. Um, so the first the first week of classes, I'll say, okay, I have, a, I have a leg down rule. You're not allowed to put a leg down. If you put your leg down, um, then we all start from the beginning. And it doesn't matter if we've made it through to the very end of the combination, the very last step, somebody puts their leg down, we, we, we start from the beginning. Um, and then I also tell them that I'm not masochistic. If they're going to sprain their ankle, if there's like a leg cramp, um, then I'll absolutely do put their leg down. And the thing is like, as a, an experienced teacher, like I can tell if somebody's having like an issue, like if somebody's having a cramp, they usually have like a moment that's jarring. Um, or like I can see if they're rolling over their ankle. Um, so there, there are obviously some places that I'm a little bit more lax with that. But so the first week I tell them that and I say, but we're not going to force it. The second week I say, okay, everybody gets, uh, one time to put their leg down. Um, so after the one time they put down a second time, uh, if the student, not, not the whole class, but the individual puts a leg down the second time, then we enforce the rule. Um, and then by week three or week four, depending on the group, sometimes even week five, then the rule is enforced completely. Um, it's interesting because over time, like the, the kids don't feel like I'm punishing them. They actually kind of enforce the rule within themselves and I don't get mad because it, the, the rule was set in place and it doesn't make the kid feel bad about themselves. Um, and it, it gives a sense of importance that they're all kind of holding each other accountable. So if a kid puts their leg down, they, they go, ah, oh, they put the, put their head on their, their head in their hand and they, they know that they did it and they actually end up holding themselves accountable too. And they don't feel like it's a bad thing because it's just, we go back to the, the beginning it's not like, how dare you? You're a horrible dancer. What What are you doing? You've affected everybody else. It's just like this straightforward way of making sure that everybody knows what's going on and not that I'm doing it not because I hate them or I, don't, or I think that they're awful. It's because they, uh, 
it's just an expectation that I have. So um, that's really worked, and I, I'm really proud that that I've come up with that rule. Uh, it, it's it's really effective, and it gives more value to fully executing combinations for the students, and it becomes a group effort to to work together as as opposed to like pointing out an individual, and making them feel bad about failing at something. Um, so yeah, also okay, making making your commitment to attendance and taking class. Uh, at 100%. That's the next thing um, that I have to try to instill into dancers uh, as like an important value. Um, Dancers are like, like professionals or school that like, you need to show up to class every day, like you need to keep your body in shape. And if you don't, not only is it like a matter of like, physical fitness but it it comes down to like will you be able to execute things and can you become injured uh a a lot of students that are taking classes like three times a week they they don't a they're not dancing in a way that they could become injured yet like they're not doing five hours of rehearsal after class um when you're professional you need to be in shape and shape because you need to be able to do your job um without getting hurt but with these younger students you don't or or students that are dancing less frequently like the recreational adults um it's not important that they come to class every day of the week. Like if they're coming to a beginner ballet class once every three weeks, um, they're not going to get hurt. <laughs> it's so it, it isn't as important, but so what I, what I do is I, I try to, uh, instill the importance of like doing the steps like as is and showing up more often by explaining just, I have a couple different ways of explaining it. So for instance, um, if a student does a step and it's like kind of half done and I tell them like, we'll do it more and they don't, I try to give them insight as if our profession is more important than it actually is. And I mean, in, in the grand scheme of the world, like dance is not important. Yes. Like, yes, to me, it's important. Yes. To many people and culturally, it's very significant and necessary and important. But like if the world were to end and there were like only a few people left on earth, like we wouldn't be like, I need to take ballet class. We would be like food, shelter, (laughs) water, medicine, things like that. Um, So often what I'll say is in order for you to actually do well in class and to get better in class, you have to treat this with the same uh, precision as a, a surgeon. So for instance, like, okay, you have to get your appendix out. So you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, eh, okay. It's the appendix are like kind of about here. So we'll cut them open maybe over here. And I know that I have to keep them from bleeding and I'm going to maybe like snip it around here because at least we'll get it out. But I don't know if that's like really important to something else. Like you don't want a surgeon like that. You want a surgeon that's like, I have to go exactly here. This The appendix are exactly this wide and I need to make sure that I cut it off here and there so that I don't affect this. Um, that's what you want. Or like even somebody like a pilot flying a plane, you don't want a pilot to go up into the air and like, be like, well, I don't know how fast I should be going and I'm kind of going in the right direction, but we'll make our way there eventually. Like you want somebody that's going to be very precise. So I I tell my students that they need to treat dance the same way. Um, and it's, it's not even, 
it's not even again that it's that important it could be for your own safety um but even if it's like an energy or something other than that it, it's important and i i go about that discussion if, if i need to elaborate i have an i call it the ice cream discussion where if you we're going to go to the store and you're going to get four pints of your favorite ice cream. I don't know. I like cookies and cream. So we'll, we'll say cookies and cream. So if I get four pints of ice cream and I put them in the freezer and when they come out and I eat them all, the first one's consistency is it never freezes. For some reason, it's like it doesn't hit a freezing point and it's like melted. The second one is freezer burnt. So it's like kind of weird tasting. The third one, they accident, accidentally left the cookies out of the, the cookies and cream. So it's essentially just vanilla. And then the fourth one is cookies and cream. Um, are you going to buy that product again? No, you're not going to because you're not going to spend all that money to only get like 25% of the time to get the, the right product 25% of the time. Um, you're going to go to a different brand or a different store where you know that you're always going to get the same product. So I try to explain the importance of like really focusing on your technique and executing things correctly by saying you are essentially developing a product. And if you ever want to be hireable um, or if you ever want to have quality, you need to be able to turn out the same product every single time. So really focus on on that. So I, I find that it's easier to make like the value of taking class a certain way by giving specific examples like that instead of just like browbeating my dancers into uh, feeling bad about the fact that they're not doing it because um, so I've also learned that sometimes dancers are really trying hard and they're really committed and they, they don't realize or they don't recognize how to actually make these adjustments. So instead of making them feel bad about it, I try to uh, offer them different ways of, of seeing it. Um, and then c going back to the other part of the conversation I was talking about, like the commitment to attending class. Um, one thing that I've learned, especially with like kids, is that a lot of times the commitment to taking class is not the kids, it's the parents. Um, so I, I never really yell at a student for uh Poor commitment to class because I don't really know like where they're coming from or even like adult students like I had an absolute beginner workshop and there were some that there were there were some that would miss some and like they come back three weeks later and they wouldn't tell me and then after class they would be like oh I like I hurt my back lifting weights at the gym um so there's no point in making people feel bad about that um if I'm paying you and you are one of my dancers on a professional level, it's a different story. But when it comes to actually training students, it, I think that it's important to try to find out why somebody is missing class and then to try to find a way around it. So um, I had a student actually at a school that was uh, late to class constantly. Um, and what would happen is we would have conversations. And I would set parameters. Okay, if you come here, if you come into class after Jetes, I'm not going to let you take. You're going to have to sit and watch. Um but what I found out was that her mother wouldn't drive her to class and she ended up, she was taking two buses. This is like a child, like a 15, 16 year old child. Um, they were taking two buses just to get to class. Um, and I was, it was funny because where I thought that maybe they weren't committed to the attendance, they were more committed than anybody else to attending that they were doing that. And they still were struggling to like actually get into class in time, but they actually wanted to be there so much that they took it upon themselves to get themselves to class. And, um, 
it, yeah, you just never know where people are coming from. So I, I'm, a, I, unless you're paying somebody, I really think that it's, it's the commitment to attendance is too difficult to, uh, browbeat a student over to yell at them and to make them feel shame and disappointment that they weren't able to live up to that expectation. So yeah, this kind of, uh, I've already sort of covered this next part that I have in my notes, but yeah, making somebody feel bad versus enforcing expectations. Um, all or nothing reprimands don't work for those who haven't bought into the importance of the art form. So with Kobe Bryant and his posting about his, his this student that's what chose to go to a dance recital instead of play for the team, like you don't really know... A, you don't know what the background was. Maybe dance was actually their number one commitment and they thought that they might like basketball and they tried it out and they went back to their original commitment when there was a conflict of interest between the two. Um, and Kobe, instead of offering a pathway for this this dancer basketball player, instead of uh, offering a pathway for them possibly to fall in love with basketball could have actually created a roadblock where the dancer said, well, I love dance and I was starting to enjoy basketball, but now I feel bad about basketball and I feel negative. Um, so I'm just going to stop basketball. I'm going to go to dance. Um, those all or nothing reprimands are, are more likely to push somebody away than they're actually going to uh, welcome somebody in. Um, all of these types of things, all these situations uh, when you have to enforce expectations, especially with children who are on the path to falling in love with an art form or finding passion towards a certain subject, they are going to, they, they, usually they're not going to remember like the day to day functions. They're going to remember like the negative thing that happened or the really positive thing that happened. So if you say like, how dare you, to a child who often even their decisions aren't completely their own. Often their parents have a lot of say in their decisions. Really what you end up doing is just pushing them away. Now, as you get further along in somebody's training, like if, if they are at a conservatory and they should be in class six days a week and they're not living at home, they're living in a dorm dormitory and they, they're missing classes regularly. Yeah. You should say, yo, I, I'm not quite sure why you're missing what's going on. They're like, oh, well, I just didn't feel like coming. Then, yeah, reprimand them. But uh, a kid that is taking three classes a week that is living at home and has multiple other potential activities that could become more important to them in their life, um, there, there's more like of a conversation and saying, okay, well, how do you feel about your ballet classes? Um well, why, why did you choose not to come? Was this their, their reasoning not to come? Was it their parents? Did they have a, something else, another commitment? Um, and then maybe talk about like why you feel that your commitment or their commitment to your classes or, or dance in general should be more important than the other one. And then actually have a conversation about it to just like close a door and be like, you're either in or you're out. It, it doesn't work. And it generally pushes people away. So um, if you want people to feel like something is important, you have to slowly bring them over to that side of importance. You can't just enforce the importance like black or white, like 100% or zero. Um, it doesn't work. And it's more likely to push people away from the art form than it is to actually uh, in feel, make them feel welcomed. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go back to the 
the expectations. So offering the the offering a clear plan of how expectations. Um, oh, that's it. Sorry, this is so this is building on expectations. So um, I set my expectations at the beginning of a year, and then I I tend to offer a clear plan of how my expectations are changing as opposed to just like having them change and then yelling at a student because they didn't fulfill it. Um, what I'll do is I'll, I'll tell them, okay, you're here and I want you to get here. And it's really important that you understand that there are going to be expectations, but that these expectations are not just like set for the year that they are going to evolve. So I offer a clear plan of how expectations will change so that isn't shocking and negative to the students. Um, and that what it does is it says, okay, these are the things that are important to me and hopefully will be important to you by the end of this year. And, uh, I know that it's too much to ask this of you now, but over time, this is what I'm going to ask for. So, um, I I had a student that made it to the, the YGP finals. Um, I mean, the last couple of years I've had a couple of students, but I'm talking specifically about uh, one of the first students that I had make it to the finals. Um, so we had worked together throughout the year. And at first, like I was kind of coddling her and I was like letting the parents come into the studio so that they could see the process and having like conversations with the parents. Um, and then slowly over time, I, I started telling the parents, like, you shouldn't be here for all the rehearsals and, um, you shouldn't really be talking during the rehearsals or telling me like what you think you should do. And yes, we can have conversations about, about things. Um, but really let me like guide the practice. So the student made it through really well through the regionals. And then when they made it into the finals, I said, look, okay, now we're getting to it. We're getting more intense. So, um, before I was giving you corrections, I'd always say oh, something positive. Um, or if I gave a correction, then I'd follow up with something like a compliment. Um, and I said, but now I'm going to start treating you more like I would a professional. Um, and I feel like you're ready for this because we've been pre- preparing for this all year, but I'm going to start just straight out giving you corrections. I'm not going to uh, coddle you into the corrections. So I don't want you to think it's a negative thing um, because it's important that we don't waste time. So I'm just going to come up to you. I'm going to give you a correction. It's going to be what it is. You're going to enforce it and we're going to move on from there. And because I didn't say something positive, it doesn't mean that I don't think you're doing well. It's just that I'm trying to be more efficient so that we can get things done and get you further along faster. Um, and it ended up working really well. Like the, her, her parents and I, we still, so she's not no longer at the school that I was teaching at. Um, she's moved on to a conservatory program. Um, and uh but the parents and I still have a good relationship the student and I still have a good relationship and uh, I'm really proud to see where she's gone and I, I I feel that that was an important part of her journey um because instead of making her feel bad by just like going straight into the corrections I, I gave her reasoning and it and told her why it was so important so she understood uh the value in it um, as opposed to going like, wow, he's just browbeating me after I dance and I feel like I did well. And, I mean, I, I don't have time to tell you everything you did well. <laughs> I need to get straight to the point. Um, so that, that worked very well and I continue to, to work in that way. Um, so yeah, uh, there was that. Okay, I think I got like one or two more left. So uh, allowing space for a dancer to try other life experiences without making them feel negative about dance um, is, I think it's really important and it 
also can offer a a pathway for the dancer to see how how important the art form is um because when as we get closer to the profession um there will be distractions and sometimes the dancers they feel like they're missing out on something but if you actually let them do something they realize that it was that's not actually as important as their dancing is um so you you have to be strict and stern with dancers but you also have to give them the chance to make their own choices um and then to let them sort of see what uh, see a if they thought it was a value like a, a good choice um, and then also to s- see what the repercussions are if they make those choices so um, I have a great example again this is another YGP conversation this is the first year that I brought students to YGP when I was in Alaska so um, I brought four students to the regionals in Philadelphia from Anchorage when I was directing Alaska Dance Theater and um, because we were traveling so far I created an entire week of events for these students. Like I set up tours. I, um, we had like private lessons. We went to like restaurants and like different historical places. Um, and then I even set up a meet and greet with, uh, the director of Pennsylvania ballet to a principal dancer with Pennsylvania ballet and a dancer with Koresh dance company, um, with, for these four dancers. And the thing is, nobody was required to do anything except for the rehearsals and the competition. Um, but they were all set there as options. And it was kind of, I mean, it was kind of the expectation that I did this for them. I went out of my way um, and that they were going to attend most of the things unless it was like a tour that might make them tired when they should be like resting. Um, but so one of my students, he somehow had a girlfriend that lived in the Philadelphia area. Um, and they had been like hanging out on the side when we weren't in rehearsals. Um, and I, so the night that I had set up the meet and greet with these three dancers, um, well, the two dancers and the one director, uh, the, the male student had asked me if he could hang out with his girlfriend that night. And I was like, I think you should do the meet and greet. I was like, cause you're going to make, you're going to make these connections. Um, and he was like, well, do I have to? And I was like, well, I'm not forcing anybody to do anything. And if it's okay with your mom, I, I, I can't, I can't say no. Um, but I was like, I, I suggest you do this, but you do whatever you want. And so he, he chose to go hang out with his girlfriend and he didn't go to this meet and greet. So I didn't stop him. Um, but I made sure that he understood that there were consequences for his actions. Um, and he was like 16 years old. So he was getting closer and he's, he's now a professional. This is a, a positive ending story. But so he uh, he chose to spend the, the evening with his girlfriend instead of joining us for the meet and greet. Um, and so the next day in rehearsal, uh, right before we, so we, we took class, we warmed up. And then right before rehearsal, when I was telling every, all the students like the order of what we were going to do, I said, I turned to him and I was like, I, I don't know exactly why you made the choice that you did, but you made the wrong choice because you had an opportunity coming from Anchorage to meet the director of the second company of Pennsylvania Ballet and to meet these other two artists. That's an opportunity that you're not going to get. You, you potentially could not have ever again. Um, and you can make a connection and could even eventually lead to a job. And I was, so I, I said, not only was I, I, bit, I a bit upset personally because I went out of my way to bring my, my, my friends and colleagues um, sorry, friends and peers, not colleagues, um, to, to you, um, I, I, also you, you missed out on, on these, these potential 
opportunities. So I said, unfortunately, you didn't think that there were any consequences for your actions, but there are because you, you missed out and then also it affected me. So what I'm going to do for you today, and I know that the competition is two days away, um, I'm not going to take away your rehearsal from you, but I will only coach you in one solo. Um, and I gave him a choice. I said, do you want to do your ballet, your classical solo or your contemporary solo? And he said, I, I, I gave him like a minute or two to think about it. He said, I want you to coach my contemporary solo. And I said, nope, unfortunately you made the wrong decision again because his contemporary solo is going very well. Um, I said, and I'm not going to let you make a wrong choice this time. So I'm going to coach you in your classical and then I'm going to allow you to rehearse yourself in your contemporary and I will not give you a correction. I will just sit here and run the music, um, but you'll have 15 minutes to do whatever you need to. Um, so yeah, that, that's how I ran it. And, um, he understood how important it was about the decisions that he was making that will lead into his career. Um, I was concerned that that wasn't going to go well, but it went, it ended up actually really revealing to him, uh, certain things that, uh, if you are going to choose to do this recreational thing, it could affect you professionally. Um, obviously you can't do that with like a 12 year old child. You will just make them miserable. Um, but there was a value in letting him make his own choice and seeing the importance of his choice. Um, I mean, who, what do I know? Maybe he and his girlfriend at the time, they were kids, but maybe she was, they were like on the rocks. And if he didn't go hang out with her, then that would have been the end of the relationship. And, uh, that would have been affected him more. But, um, there are decisions that people have to make and they, they need to determine how important dances and the decisions that they make towards dance are to them. And sometimes they aren't important at all. And sometimes they're extremely important. So yeah, uh, it's, it's very important as, uh, educators that we, Remember that our job is to reveal importance to students and not browbeat it into them because that's really ineffective. Um, yes, there are professionals in every field that were manipulated and scolded and just made to feel awful um, that still were able to stay in the career and find a, find a pathway to, to stick with it. Um, practically all of us all dancers that I know have a story like a horror, a horror story or 50 about situations that have happened where they're, they were doing their best and the teacher, uh, just let them have it. Or, um, they missed classes or tried to ask if they could go to a school dance. Um, I mean, there, there are times when things are necessary, but you just have to make sure the students understand like the importance of their decisions, um, and not, not, I mean, you can make them feel bad by telling them if you do this, this will be the consequence. But I, I have trouble these days making people feel bad that I'm not paying, uh, that aren't professionals working for me. Um, but students, I have trouble making them feel bad for making a decision because in the end, maybe dance is not the most important thing in their life. But if, if I treat them badly, it, it will never become the most important thing in their life because they're, they're going to feel bad about it. And who wants to constantly live feeling bad about themselves? Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's, I feel like I said the word important like a million times a day, but it's, it's really important as educators that we offer pathways and not close doors and create roadblocks for, for students to find their way to dance so that they can become passionate about it and that they can see the importance of it in their life and that they can see the importance of decisions outside of dance and how they uh, 
how they influence their their potential to have a career or their actual career. Um, so yeah, I th- I think that that's I think that that's that's the point. Um, I, I I thought it was really interesting. I, I, like with Kobe, I I don't know him. I don't know what his intention was. Like, and he explained that he he didn't have this that intention. He was just trying to explain why she wasn't in in the photograph. But it's important that uh, people that have risen to the tops of their professions remember what it was like when they started and then to remember along the pathway when they had a moment where they had to make a choice between showing up to class or going to that school dance or uh showing up to class and actually investing in in working on what you're what you're doing versus just going through the motions it's important that we remember what it felt like when we were like five six eight ten twelve fifteen eighteen years old um and then to try to go back to that and then slowly build our students into understanding the importance of uh hard work and commitment and passion and all of those things So I hope that this helps you. If you're an educator, I hope that this, if you are a student um, or even anybody in any type of profession, that this gives you some insight as to uh, helping find your way to making something important in your life. Um, So yeah, with that, I'm going to let you guys go. I'm sure that you're all getting into the swing of the new year. So if you have homework, go do your homework. If you've got to grade papers, go grade your papers. If you have to do a lesson plan, go do a lesson plan. If you just need to rest, go rest. All right. Thank you for listening, guys. I will see you in a couple of weeks. I hope that you enjoyed this week's episode of Pod Chat Talking Dance. If there are any topics you'd like to hear me talk about, please feel free to reach out to me via my website contact page at www.barrycorlis.com. Again, that's www.barrycorlis.com. You can also reach out on there if you'd like to become a sponsor for our podcast or to book master classes in ballet or contemporary technique for choreography or speaking engagements. I hope you enjoyed listening in and talking dance with me. If you enjoyed this chat, please feel free to share, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes. Every extra bit <laughs> I can talk, every bit of extra visibility helps keep these podcasts running. And if this didn't fulfill your dance fix, check out my sister podcasts on the Premier Dance Network. If you want to connect with me to see where I'm choreographing, teaching, and what I'm doing in my everyday life, you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, where my name is B. Corollis, or Twitter at Bariscos. Also, be sure to check out my blogs. I have Life of a Freelance Dancer at lifeofafreelancedancer.blogspot.com. And on there, I wrote about working as a freelance artist and independent contractor for five years. You can also go to Dancing Offstage, and that's at dancingoffstage.wordpress.com. And on there, I talked about the post-performance careers of professional dancers. I also have a YouTube channel that you can find by going to youtube.com and then typing B Corollas into the search panel. And you can find my choreography on that site there. Thanks for listening in to Pod of Chats. I hope you return two weeks from this Friday to talk dance with me. And remember to go out and support your local dance scene.